Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is uh, May 18th, 2022. We're ready to begin our worship service this evening. We will begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time we have this evening. We are grateful to have an opportunity to express ourselves in, uh, with regard to your thoughts. Thank you for this, um, this forum. Also, Father, we pray for those who are sick among us. Uh, you know those who are on our hearts. In fact, Miss Misty, this evening, her allergies, Father, we are lifting her up before you. And Father, we, the others, you know their names, Father, and they are on our hearts even now as we contemplate them. So, Father, also we pray as we open our uh, your word this evening that we will have wisdom. Give us understanding. Open up those, the verse before us tonight. Uh, those who are traveling as well, we ask for traveling mercies. All of this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right. So our normal course of study uh, is in Romans. Uh, tonight we're looking at verse 7, which says, What then? Uh, what the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. So we're going to look at that verse tonight. We'll see how far we get. No rush. So we're going to be careful not to rush. Take our time, as we normally do. But uh, just to note, we have uh, the websites available. Uh, we also have Dropbox. We use Dropbox for quick, it keeps about two months worth of sermons, uh, maybe sometimes close to three, but then the Dropbox gets full. But uh, if, you, if you want Dropbox, just request it by, um, it's just a request, and you can be receiving Dropbox, as well as we have the website, wordistruth.com, where we try to keep a uh, store of all of what we do online so it's available um, so that is wordistruth.com so we'd like to get right into it so Romans eleven seven. you should have notes as we continue this story of how Israel failed in two ways uh, and this is uh, they fail by trusting the law as they are standing before God. Now, uh, and they fail to answer their calling to be God's priest nation to the world. For sure, their failure to trust the Messiah resulted in their inability to fulfill their call. Just as Stephen said of them, you stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. It comes from Acts 7 and 51. So uh, it's a rough one <laughs> because it was uh, given by Stephen as he was getting ready to be killed by, I would say, a Jewish mob. And that's, uh, that's where we find 
the story of after his discourse, he made some statements that were pretty tough. Uh, the Jews picked up stones and they stoned him. And kind of, uh, interestingly enough, the Apostle Paul was there giving his assent and uh, uh, authority to this situation. And many times the Apostle Paul said he regretted some of the things he did while he was an unbeliever. Some of them, in some passages, it even says he was he felt he was a murderer, uh, which is tough. It's a tough place to be in. Uh, Paul was able to become an apostle, and I, w I would say, by gr by the grace of God, uh, we can find that God is able to uh, correct and restore many things that happen in this world. Uh, so hopefully that is uh, a testament to the grace of God. The Apostle Paul, a murderer, a blasphemer, he now is an apostle. Well, I say now, but he had that calling. So let's dig in. Hopefully you remember the context of where we were in Romans 11. So I'll just read from 11.1 all the way down through to 7. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says about, says in the passage about Elijah? How he appear, appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. So as we continue, in our, what we want to do is keep our focus right here on the context. So what then? So the first thought is the Apostle will take a moment to drill down a bit more on Israel. And we're going to get that. He's going to talk about the unbelievers, those who rejected Christ and tried to remain the nation Israel, all in, uh, in that particular way of thinking. They were tough. <laughs> they were tough, as we're going to see. And if you keep reading in Romans, as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day. And David says, may their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. So there's a lot of scripture from the Old Testament that he gives here. And I know we're not at those verses yet, but we're getting there. And I just want to show you where God is headed. 
that's why I wanted to quote them. I usually don't quote the ones ahead of me unless they pertain directly to what we're saying. And they do in this, in this instance. Uh, what we want to see, though, is we are heading down this direction to talk about or drill down even more into what Israel did and how uh, it all worked out. So it's kind of interesting as we read those, those are tough things to say to God's special people who were called, but we want to, we want to give them an understanding as well. So let's dig in. Point B, the apostle wants to make some comparisons to understand Israel's desires and God's provisions. So we don't ever want to think that Israel was left in a position where they had no uh, option to be saved. or uh, That wasn't the case. They had uh, options. And um, they just refused to take them, which is their option, right? They, God gave them the choice not to believe in Christ. I mean, it's not God didn't make them believe. But in this case... They got the option, and they chose not to believe in Christ. And we're seeing what the results of that choice was. And that's so we're, we're going to drill down a little bit. We're going to see what God did, what they did. Did God give them some sort of uh, resistance to himself? I mean, it sounds like you can almost read that into the text, but we're going to see that that's the same language we saw earlier. And uh, Romans 10, some of it in Romans 9. So we're going to un try to understand and unpack that a little bit. So point number two, let's get into it. What the people of Israel so earnestly did not obtain. Uh, sought so earnestly they did not obtain. So the first thought is Israel did not receive what they wanted so badly. I just uh, liked the way the New International Reader's Version said it. <laughs> what they wanted so badly. Earnestly sought. But all of the translations uh, did a pretty good job on this. But I liked the way the New... And this is the NIRV, the New International Reader's Version, says it. They wanted it so badly. I, I, I thought I'd use that so this is that Greek word that is basically saying that. Um, and it means to inquire for, to seek for, to search for, to seek diligently, or to wish for, or to crave, to demand, or to clamor for. And so Israel really wanted this pretty bad. They were after it. They pursued it with everything that was in them. We, we want to know, we want to think about what is it that Israel so lusted for? And so let's, that's point B. So what, uh, we have two questions. What did Israel want so badly? What was the point here? And what did they not get? So we, two things that at least... I have questions about, <clears throat> and that Paul is going to illustrate for us as we go in the text. But let me let's just go from where we already know. First, what did they want? From what we know, this is what they wanted. They loved their favorite 
nation status before God. Think about it. That's what they loved. They, they loved to be that shining nation on the hill, uh, you know, the head and not the tail, you know, riding upon the high places of the earth. These are just some things you could read in Isaiah. They knew that God had blessed them generously. Now, when we say that, Israel had pride. Pride, and they were proud of their nation. I guess you, you'd call that patriotism. Right? That's how we could look at that. Israel, were they, they understood that God showed up to establish their nation through signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm sure stories abounded and some of them you could find in psalms you, know, you could see stories of israel's uh, heritage how they were freed from the bondage of slavery in egypt and how they came through the red sea and there were songs and psalms about that um, and they i'm sure rehearsed these things to their children over through centuries and generations and so God blessed them, and there's no doubt about it. If you read the Old Testament, then you will understand, yes, God did uh, establish Israel. There's no doubt about it. And there were miracles, signs, wonders. I mean, we could just think back to how he sustained them in the desert, how he protected them, how he... They fought other nations, conquered them in, in the power of God. Uh, uh, stories abound. Gideon is a good example. Uh, how God equipped Gideon, and he wanted to help Gideon understand. And Gideon was like, well, how do, I'm, I'm just one person. How do I know you're going to be with me? And, and God says, I'm with you. And Gideon says, well, how, can you give me a sign? that you're going to be with me. And he did. And he did it. Well, what if this? Can you give me another sign? And on and on. And then we have the story of David and how he conquered Goliath. And just a lot of history for Israel. And we wanted to think a little bit into this so we can not only see it from our perspective and we can talk about they failed, you know, how they were disciplined and uh, terrible things they did. Um, they turned their back on God. They, not only did they turn their back, but they denied him to his face. Uh, we could talk about their failures, but we also want to balance that out with the fact that God did establish them. He did show up in their culture. They were very special. God, they were the apple of his eye. And uh, Israel has a heritage. And they loved it. They loved the fact that God was fighting on their side. God was for them. And they were a favored nation. God, they were a special nation that God himself called. We can't take that away from Israel. It is true, and God did call them for a purpose. But we have to be true to what the Old Testament teaches us about Israel. They failed as well. They didn't fail in everything, as we will see as we go forward. But two... Point number two, they misunderstood uh, that blessing. When I say that blessing, you know I'm talking about their favored nation status, right? By thinking they, 
<laughs> somehow were special. God had a plan, right? And he was going to use the nation Israel to accomplish that plan. So in their thinking about is you know all that had happened in their nation the uh, you know all the glories and uh, the, we could say the glory of Israel they thought they were something like they themselves the individuals were something special and um, instead of them looking toward what that God had a plan and God has uh, a purpose for them Instead, they said, well, we must be really something. You know, the fact that God has done all this for us. But that wasn't the case. The, the, the point was that God had a plan and he wanted to use them. And yes, they, it was, it was, they were honored by the fact that God called them and predestined them and all that, which we're getting into on the next point. But it wasn't about that. It was about God's plan. That was what was the priority for God. That's why they were special. It's almost like what we used to say when people talk about they're called today. Some people, they're happy to tell you, I'm, a, I'm called of God. But yet, if you ask them, what exactly are you called for? Like, you're chosen for what? And let them answer. Right? Because uh, it's one thing to feel special. That yes, God chose us, but if you don't know what for, then you could fall into the same pattern Israel did. We're just special people, God, but not from the standpoint of what is God's purpose. That's what we need to establish when we think about us being chosen, us being called and foreknown and predestined. Right? There's a purpose in that. It's not just the fact that you're chosen. Israel did not, they misunderstood that blessing by thinking they were special, as illustrated by their attitude of exclusive separatism. Uh, these, are, these are not big words. These are just, it's just to say, Israel felt so special that they separated from other nations. And, you know, illustrated by the story of Jonah. Now, we didn't have to have the story of Jonah in the Old Testament. I'm sure there were other stories uh, that we don't have. We don't have documented every single thing that happened to Israel, but we do have the story of Jonah, how Jonah received the call of God to go to Nineveh, which is directly in the line of their calling, the nation, right? That's what they were supposed to do. And yet, Jonah didn't go. Jonah said, no, you know, that that's Nineveh is a bad place. Those people should be destroyed. Never mind, just punish, destroy them, God. And so Jonah went the opposite direction. He went to Tarshish and instead of going to Nineveh. At least he wanted to go there. And God interrupted him and said, no, Jonah. And, and you know, the whole thing with the big fish and swallowed Jonah, and, and then Jonah did change his mind. He eventually went to Nineveh. But you know, that was typical of the attitude of the nation, right? Those in the nation. Jonah's attitude of 
exclusive separatism. I don't want to go to other nations. Now, just imagine, it was their job, their calling. A calling is a responsibility. It's not just, hey, I'm just highly favored. I'm blessed beyond measure. It, it is a responsibility that we have before God. Yes, we are highly favored. Yes, we're chosen for a special purpose. And yet, if we don't find out what that is, we can never fulfill that purpose. Whatever assets we have, whatever privileges, and they all relate to our responsibilities. God does, he equips us. Yes, he has blessed us, but we are given a responsibility. And that's why. So just to know, it's not us. Who are we? Well, who, are, who was Israel? Well, they came from the nations, right? Israel was just, God chose Abraham. Abraham was just, he wasn't necessarily somebody special. And he chose Isaac. He chose Jacob. You know, all those things uh, happened for a reason. As we saw them, the sovereignty of God chose the nation Israel. They were established, not because they were a special people. I mean, they were slaves in Egypt. They were not necessarily somehow special but God made them special so that he could fulfill his purpose in them so this is point number three where we are in the notes is so or actually two and then the Samaritans right so how they thought about the Samaritans the Samaritans intermarried with Gentiles so they tried to maintain their Jewishness Right. At the same time, they compromised it, and then they even came out, came up with different doctrines, uh, like they wanted to worship on the Mount Gerizim, and Jerusalem was where God had established uh, His temple. But the Samaritans were in opposition to Judaism, and the Jews. Uh, looked at them as traitors. They said, oh, you, you want to try to keep the law, you want to try to keep the prophets, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and think you have some sort of affinity. Well, well really, you are traitors, heretics. And they hated the Samaritans. I think they might have hated the Samaritans more than they did the Gentiles. <laughs> I don't know what was worse. So they, they just saw them as traitors to everything. And so they, oh, they just, if it was a Samaritan, in fact, when the Jews had to go from Judea to Israel, right, so they, they had to go through the land of the Samaritans, and they would go around the land, which even though it took them longer time, they didn't want to be bothered with those horrible people in their view. So they, they did not go through Samaria on purpose. So this is... It was just a standard hatred. And then you can get that from even the Samaritan woman at the well. Well, Christ did choose to go through Samaria to get to where he was going. And there was the woman at the well. A lot of the Samaritans were saved that day. That was a, an important day uh, for the Samaritan nation. And all that. We, we've covered John 4, but if you haven't, you should take some time to read that carefully you'll see and in any case they, they were that's the point number two i'm making they they misunderstood the blessing and you know a lot of people today as i said are doing the same thing we have to be careful 
that when we talk about we're called and foreknown and predestined and elected and all that, right? We need to understand what all that means before we stick our chest out and... Uh-oh. I'm hearing some noise. Oh, no worries. We, we just need to know what that means so that we don't become conceited in all of this, right? That we, we make sure that we uh, understand it from God's perspective and not ours. And that's how, uh, you know, I would, I would just make sure we, we got that point. Okay, point number three, let's move on. So Israel's call from eternity past, well, you know, um, foreknown, elect, predestined, did not mean they were saved. Now, this is an interesting point. It's true that they were called from eternity past. I mean, there's no doubt that God called the nation Israel. So when we think about the words foreknown, elect, predestined, right, uh, chosen, those words are used of Israel. And God didn't come up with new words when he called the church. He used the same words, which is to say, from eternity past, they were foreknown, we were foreknown. They were elect, we were elect. They were predestined, so were we, but for different purposes, not for the same purpose of Israel. But God did repurpose those words for both dispensations. He did. So, when it says they were foreknown, elect or predestined, it did not mean they were saved. So Israel, again, had no, they didn't take the time to uh, understand their calling. Uh, and when we think about what Ro uh, Paul said in Romans 10, since I'm right there in Romans, I'm just going to read Romans 10, 1 through 4, to remind us what we covered. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. So that one verse, without even going to the rest, tells me that Paul understood that they were not saved. Israel was not saved. That's not to say that everybody in Israel was not saved, but the majority of Israel and the leadership of Israel was not saved. For I can testify about them. They are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, right? Their feet are running, but they're not going anywhere. It's like they're running in place. They're, they're, they're ready. To, I want to serve God, but they're not running in the direction God wants them to run. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, the law, we know, they did not submit to God's righteousness, which is by grace. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone, not just Jews or Israel, but everybody is righteous in the same way. So salvation, when we talk about righteousness, it's a synonym for salvation, born again, saved, you know, these are all terms, justified. They all have the same meaning, which is we could just sum it all up by saying saved. So uh, all of that happens at the moment of salvation. There's just dis different aspects of what happens. So, but the fact that Israel was called, they were a new racial creation. 
there was nothing but Gentiles on, on the earth. But when God established the nation Israel, he also established a new racial creation. So it, it meant that if you had the genes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then you could be, you could have an inheritance in Israel. When I say an inheritance, that means the land. And, the, and Jacob, as you know, uh, God changed his name to Israel. Jacob had 12 sons, and each of those sons had a portion of the land. Well, that is except for the Levites, who received uh, their inheritance from the other tribes. In any case, uh, the that is, but that's a new racial creation. It is not a spiritual creation. Doesn't mean because they are they have the genes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they are saved. But that wasn't the thought from Israel. They thought, yeah, yeah, we're saved because we have the genes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right? Because we were foreknown and elect and predestined. Well, God did want to create a new racial creation. So that's why there are Jews and Gentiles in the world. Right? Uh, there's now established the nation Israel. It's because God did that. But it, he did not require everybody in Israel to be saved. That was optional. Now, God's preference was that they be saved. But it was up to each Israelite. Now, you know, conversely, as we think about this for the church, that is not the way the church is established. You um, cannot be in the church unless you are saved. And I could have added Ephesians 3, 6, right? So just those few words right there in Ephesians 3, 6 tell us. And there's other reasons why. But it just tells us, the mystery, the mystery is our calling, right? The information this, that was hidden that God did not tell Israel about. This is Ephesians 3, 6, I'm on. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. So they're members of one body. Now, if we go back in Ephesians 2, we see that there is one new man made out of the two. Right? So we're not Jews when we're in this one new man. We're not Gentiles when we're in this one new man. We're in one body. We're in the body of Christ. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is new. So now there are Jews and there are Gentiles on the earth because of this new dispensation that was hidden. This is, this is how we can look at humanity now and uh, Jews and Gentiles and the church of God as we seen we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 at the end it tells us those three categories of humanity Jews Gentiles and church of God so we see it how God has uh, crafted this so um, there were members together with Israel but notice we have to come through the gospel. So Gentiles can't be be in the church unless they're saved. Jews can't be in this one new body unless they are saved. There is no difference in how they are saved. Everybody must come through the same door, and that door is Christ. So it did not mean they're saved. That's an important point, right? Because 
uh, Calvinists, on the one hand, will tell you that um, this calling, this predestination, is related to salvation. They're going to say that's, that a person is saved because God chose them to be saved from eternity past. And he made that choice. So when he selected you to be saved, that means he didn't select others to be saved. So that means they are lost without hope in the world, which we do not believe. So salvation is by grace. It is whosoever will. Let him take the water of life freely. It is, uh, and the reason why a person is not saved is because they have not believed in God's one and only Son. Right? It is not because... They weren't chosen. So we, we should know that for, for Israel, foreknown, elect, people could be all of that and still be an unbeliever. Racially a Jew, but not spiritually a Jew. And that's just like what we read in the earlier verse in the introduction where Stephen says to them, you stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears, notice what he says, are still uncircumcised. So even though these were circumcised people, right, physically, they, you know, that was part of the covenant to be a Jew, is to be circumcised. Even though that happened for them, they were, Stephen is noting they are uncircumcised in hearts and ears, which means they weren't saved. You are just like your ancestors. They weren't saved either. And, and you will always resist the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit tried to lead them into salvation, and they resisted the Holy Spirit. So hopefully that we understand that's an important point to make. And it's an important distinction when we think about Israel and how they were constructed as a new racial creation, and the church, which is a new spiritual creation, which is now, we're in Christ. There is no Jew. There is no Gentile. Our spiritual life supersedes our physical life in this world. It even says we're not even of this world. There's, it's a whole other story. We're, we're talking about that on Sundays as well. So there it is. And then point four, point four, they put the cart before the horse. That's what they did. The, the regenerate status they needed to fulfill the call was assumed to be accomplished by their reception and adherence to the law. So think about it. They, you know, uh, the children of Israel had to put the blood over the doorposts, you know, and this way the death angel, this is when they were in Egypt, the death angel would pass over them, right? This is where we get Passover from. And that the death, the death angel passed over them and their firstborn wouldn't be uh, killed. And then when God led them out into the wilderness, they were the children of Israel. They crossed the Red Sea and all that. Right? But they uh, did not get to the promised land because of unbelief many of them. So again, they had the genes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right? God established them as a nation, but he couldn't force them into salvation, which flies in the face of what Calvinists think. Right? He could not force them to believe. 
It was up to them. And some of and they developed a pattern of unbelief, as we saw from what Stephen said, from what Paul said, they were not saved. Just but they were Israel, but they were not saved. Israel is not synonymous with saved. Right? I'm just trying to establish that. Point number that was point number uh, four. They put the cart before the horse and they uh, refused to uh, be born again. And even when Nicodemus, right, uh, came to Christ and Christ told him, you must be born again, Nicodemus went back and forth with Christ. Well, how in the world is that going to happen? i got to go back into my mother's womb? And Christ said, no, Nicodemus, that's not how it works. Flesh gives birth to flesh, physical birth, but the spirit gives birth to spirit, spiritual birth. That's what you need. How can this be? Nicodemus said, how, how does this work? And Christ says, listen, you're a teacher and you don't know these things. right?" And then he gives the analogy of how spiritual birth happens. So it's not about you know, labor and physical birth. It's spiritual birth, Nicodemus. So Nicodemus didn't understand it. And he was a leader. He was of the Sanhedrin. He was a teacher in Israel. And he didn't understand the spiritual dynamics that should have gone with their calling. But they did not have that. That was left by the wayside. And the law was adopted for their spiritual life. And they figured if we had the law, then that's it. They assumed this all was accomplished because they had the law. And so when we see those scriptures in Romans, let's go back to Romans 3, just to note 9, when Paul says, what should we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Do we have any advantage? He says this in the beginning. And one, what advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? He covers all this information. Look, you could be circumcised, but it doesn't, doesn't mean you'll be saved, right? There's a lot of, so 3.9 and, and following is clear. Do we have any advantage? Verse 9, not at all, for we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, no, not even one. This is written for the Jew because they thought they were righteous. They thought they were justified before God. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away, and they, and they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. How could they possibly fulfill their command, uh, to their calling, when this was their condition, spiritually speaking? They could not. They, and they would not <laughs> fulfill their responsibilities before God. Yes, God blessed the nation, but when it came to fulfilling their calling, they were it was not something that they would do. And then if you read all the rest of that, it still pertains to them. Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. So this is how they should have understood the law. The first at first, right? not as a way of life, but as a way of salvation. Therefore, verse 20, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works 
of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So for Paul to say this, it is to say that the Jews thought they could be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. You know, it's just like when we read in, as an analogy or an you know, further, 1 Corinthians 13. And he talks about all the things love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not... Well, all of these things were happening in the Corinthian church. So Paul is saying, let me show you, love is, it's, love is, a, is, is the, the spiritual life of the believer. This is the motivation that we have as believers is love. It is not proud and boastful. All these things that you guys are exhibiting are things that I'm going to show you a better way to do this or what should be on the inside. So when we see that it's not proud, it's not boastful, it's not this, it's not that, right? these are things that were happening in the Corinthian church and Paul was trying to show them that those things are wrong. Those behaviors, right, those motivations that they had were wrong. And it's the same thing here in Romans. When we see no one is declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. right? This is because they thought that that's how they became righteous. Now, you know, this is what I say. We don't want to duplicate the problems Israel had. We don't want to do that. But yet, today... People are looking at their works, and the world thinks that to be Christian means you got to keep certain rules and commands. Right? You talk, you, you try, you hear people giving the gospel, and they say, "Well, here's what the gospel is," and the people think about it, and they say, "You know, I'm not sure if I'm ready to do that. I'm not sure if I can, if I'm willing to commit to that." But, but the gospel, salvation is free. It doesn't cost anything. So why are we, as Christians, I'm not doing it anymore anyway. I used to. Why are we telling people that they have to maintain some sort of righteousness in order to be saved? When that's not what the scripture says. It's by grace. It's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works. So if we understand that, we should be leading with that to the world. Yet, what does the world think about Christians? Well, Christians, if you're a Christian, they think they know already what they have to stop doing. Right? I can't. I, I got to keep the law if I'm a Christian. That's what's happening in many of the churches and how the world thinks of Christians. How do they get to think of Christians that way? When really we should be leading the gospel. That's what's attractive. That's what Christ did for us. That's the work of Christ on our behalf that they need to be accentuating and not trying to tell them what it, how to live, what to reform from, what to stop doing, and all that other stuff. We don't judge the world. This is the world. We're in the world. What should we expect the world to do or be? <laughs> they need saving, right? That's what they need. So any, in any case, uh, let me get off the soapbox here. So, so that's, and also 19 through 23 is if we, where it says, verse 21, but now apart from the law, 
Wow. See, the fact that it doesn't have anything to do with the law. The, the kind of salvation that we have is not about rule keeping, law keeping. You know, even though the law is righteous, right? That's not the point. It shows us that we're not. It's so, so this is apart from the law. The righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Well, we saw Abraham way back in the Old Testament testifying to the same salvation that we have today. It has not changed from the time Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The same thing happens today if a person believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is credited to their account as righteousness. And because of that, that's how they get justified. It's not because of their favored nation status and, and their attempts at keeping the law. It has nothing to do with that. This righteousness is given through faith, verse 22, in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, here it is, freely. Freely. It doesn't cost you anything. By His grace, through the redemption, Christ did all the work that came by Christ Jesus. So when we think about that, this is, this is how we should be conducting ourselves in the world. Right? This is what's important. We don't want to fall into Israel's failure. Because that's what they did. They had the whole trying to tell the Gentiles that this is we're clean and you're unclean. Get away from me. If you touch me, I'm unclean. I can't even go into your house because if I do, I'll be unclean. On and on. The Jews felt and took this to extremes that you just can only imagine. So that's first what they did want right well, the scriptures what did the people of what the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain they didn't get it so the second question we ask is in point number C what did they not get right so the first point one is they assumed they were justified by the law as we already said uh, Gentiles did not have the law. So obviously, Gentile couldn't even begin <laughs> to think about being justified. They didn't know the law. So if the Gentiles didn't have the law, how could they possibly even keep the law? They were lost as far as Gentiles, as far as they were concerned. They were just lost. That's why I don't even associate with them when their calling was to go out and give them the gospel, which is free. Remember, they had Jonah's attitude. Oh, give them people the gospel? No way will I give them the gospel. That's the last thing I would want to do. In fact, when Jonah did give them the gospel and they repented, Jonah was mad. He's like, well, you should have destroyed them, God. I don't, I'm sulking over here. We read that. We went through that. Hopefully you remember. But uh, so they assumed that they were justified, you know. Because they were doing such good good works for God. Remember, we read, well, we're going to read it in here. It's, it's in here. In Romans, chapter, uh, not Romans, John 16, verses 2 and 3. It says, those who kill you will think that they are doing service to God. 
It's a religious reason that they will want to kill you. Imagine that. Imagine that. So this is, this is what we're saying is they thought, they assumed that they were justified. But as we already saw, they didn't get that justification. That This is what they did not get. This is what Paul says. Is his prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And he goes into why. They were zealous, all that. And their zeal did not get them saved. What gets you saved is your humility. When you come to God and say, God, I'm lost. I understand what happened with Adam and where I am. I'm, I'm condemned. I'm under the wrath of God right now. So how do I get out of that? And God gives you the grace solution. So they didn't get justified. It didn't, it, all of the work they did and the, the meticulous trying to keep the law and all that, they t did not walk away justified. What did God think of them? They are all under the power of sin, as we read in Romans 3.9. They were just like the Gentiles. They didn't have, there was no difference. And when they got saved, it didn't have anything to do with the law. If they were to be saved, it didn't have anything to do with the law. It had to do with grace, the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So, point number two in our notes. They did not satisfy their calling. So, obviously, uh, uh, and this is what I say about it, and I'm not sure it was a priority anyway. <laughs> so, why do I say that? It's because of their attitude. They weren't trying to go give the Gentiles anything. That wasn't their point or their motivation. They weren't thinking, well, you know, I'll learn the gospel. I'll accept the gospel. And then I'll go out and give it to the Gentiles. I'll be a light to the Gentiles, just like the scripture says. But no, that's not what their intention was. And even when Peter... As we read in Acts chapter 10 and 11, when Peter had that example with the Gentiles where God told them, you know, the sheep came down and all manner of unclean beasts were in, and God told Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter is like, no, I'm a Jew. Don't you know that, God? I wouldn't, I've never eaten any of that. I've, I've always kept myself clear from all that. I'm, I'm a Jew. Of course, and, and then God eventually did that three times, sent him to Cornelius' house, and Peter went in there, and uh, these are believers, and, and they received the Holy Spirit. And so when he was relating this story to the Jews, his fellow Jews, he was like, yeah, so this is what happened, da, 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 this. The, the Jews were like stunned by the fact that Peter, you went into the house of a Gentile? You really did that? They never mind about all the stuff that happened, how they got saved, how they were saved, and how God gave them the same gift that we had was given to them, right? The Jews were just, they, they couldn't get past the fact that Peter went into a, the house of a Gentile. Ah, they were disgusted by that. And the thought that he would even just do that. But how could they possibly want to go to the Gentiles and give them the gospel? That was not something on their agenda to do. So this is why I say they certainly didn't fulfill their calling. One, if they didn't receive the gospel, if they wouldn't believe, because they thought they were justified by keeping the law, and by the law no flesh would be justified in his sight, 
if they thought that was the case for them, well, they certainly wouldn't give it to Gentiles. I mean, that was not their priority. That, they, they, that wasn't even on the agenda for them to fulfill their calling. Forget about it. And could they, they couldn't fulfill their calling if they themselves needed the gospel. How are they going to fulfill their calling? The cart was definitely before the horse. Point number three. Therefore, there was frequent discipline in their history. Even in the time of Christ, they were under discipline there because they were a nation under Roman rule, Roman control. Whatever happened to them? I mean, when, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, you know, he was resuscitated and brought back to life. And after the whole thing played out and the Jews who were there reported it to the Pharisees and they were like, yeah, this is what happened. And the Pharisees were upset because they said, man, if we let this person go on doing all this stuff, you know, everybody will believe in him. Well, that, that would have been the point, right? But they said, you know, we're going to have to kill him. That's what we're going to have. To, we're going to have to kill him because if we don't, we'll lose our place. The Romans will come and they'll just take our place away because of this person. But no, they weren't worried about the fact that the Messiah was there in front of them doing signs, wonders, and miracles to demonstrate that he was the Messiah. They were worried about their place, even though it was under Roman control. They were willing to sacrifice the life of Christ because they wanted to keep their political standing with Rome. Interesting. So, there was discipline, much discipline in Israel's history. And as I said, even in the time of Christ, that's point number three. So they did not get what they really wanted, which is the favored nation status. The, you know, even though they were blessed with all that culture and history and the glories in, of Israel, many times there were slaves and uh under the control of other Gentile nations and such, which had to be a tremendous insult to them and their theology. Point number four. Areas where they succeeded. Now, this is where we should talk about it. All right? we, yeah, they failed miserably. We must confess that. But there were areas where they did succeed. They did they were that nation. God did call them, after all. Right? Remember, the calling wasn't based on them. God had a purpose. And he, he wanted to bring some things out in the world. And, and there, were, there was a purpose behind calling Israel. So, areas where they succeeded. Christ was born from the tribe of Judah. Right. So, if I go to Revelation 12... Um, this is all, a lot of this language is sort of metaphorical, but let's just read it. So the woman and the dragon, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Well, this is Israel, no doubt about it. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. 
Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the, all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she will be taken care of for 1,260 days. So notice Israel did accomplish in bringing Christ into the world. So that was obviously a purpose of God, one of the purposes of God for Israel, that they, it, Christ did come. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was born into the world. So there's no doubt about it um, that this happened, and uh, we, will, uh, I, we cannot take it away from Israel. We, don't, we shouldn't even want to. It is part of something that God did accomplish through that nation and through those tribes. Point number five, they will succeed in the tribulation after God uh, deals with the church. And we already read that, Romans 11, 25, and 26. I'll read it again, just to be sure we are all on the same page. So it's, they will succeed, right? So, so I do, verse 25, I do not want you to be ignorant about of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion and he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I will take away their sins. So Israel will be saved. It's definitely success. And we already read in Revelation 12, 17, as well, where it talks about they keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. That's Revelation 12, 17. So they will succeed. Right? They, they, they're utterly failures. They're they're calling to not only receive the gospel themselves and to disseminate it in the world. They failed at that. So it's important to note what they did succeed, and they will succeed. It's not utter failure. Point number six, they were caretakers of the Old Testament scriptures. right? And this is Romans 3, 1 and 2. I think we're in Romans. Let's just jump over to 3, 1 and 2. We already read 1. What advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. The Old, Testament's, it, the Old Testament is the very words of God. That's what we should understand. And the Jews were caretakers of the Old Testament scriptures. And they kept them and preserved them. And God used them to preserve his word. And they did. Good job. We have the testimony of God in written form preserved for us through the nation Israel. 
we have that them to thank for that. And New Testament uh, scriptures were not necessarily preserved for us in the same way the Old Testament scriptures were preserved or are preserved, but they are both preserved. And we have the record of what the, the very words of God are. So I know we're getting long into our, and you know, I said we were going to take our time. So we are. We're, we're going to, let's see, shall we stop at this point? Um, we should, because I promised to stop and give some opportunity for Q&A, which we, we don't want to rush it, so I'll pause at this point. We're going to pick up the rest next week of this. We'll just make this an A and B sermon, and um, but we'll pause, and we'll give opportunity for any questions you may have. Any thoughts? The floor is open. I have a question. Um, hey, thank you, Dwight. We know that you're welcome. Uh, we, we know that from uh, several verses in the New Testament that um, there are no human distinctions for those who are in Christ. There is no male or female, no no slave or free, um, and etc. Mm -hmm. And we know that someone who was saved in the church age um, is baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ. Yes. Um, what in the, in the Old Testament? Um, I know that there are stories about um, you know people, Jewish people, trying uh, converting people to Judaism. So they, whether it was individuals or um, uh, towns or whatever civilizations that they took over or something, they would they would convert them. Um, and yet we have that story of Jonah that you mentioned, where Jonah goes to Nineveh and they did repent. And, and they were saved. Um, yet they weren't, um, you know, they weren't required or requested to con uh, convert to Judaism. So what was the role of, or what was, was there a special calling for somebody who was uh, given the gospel by a, by a Jew who was doing what they were supposed to do, sharing the gospel? Um, what was the result of the of a person, the Gentile, that they were sharing it with? Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, when we read in Acts chapter two, it talks about um, Acts chapter two. Let me just see. Um, uh, they were filled, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Uh, verse 5, now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Uh, when they heard the sound, right, um, but they were utterly amazed and how could we hear them speaking in our own language? Um, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, right? Now, verse 11, these are all the places where these people were from, both Jews and converts to Judaism, 
and he keeps going, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Okay? So here is verse 11, both Jews and converts to Judaism. How could you be a convert to Judaism? There were provisions made for those who were Gentiles, who uh, wanted to be a part of the nation Israel, to uh, to be a part of it. They had, there were provisions they had to keep. First, if they were males, they had to be circumcised, which in and of itself is not an easy thing. But um, they had to be circumcised, and they had to keep the Mosaic Law. And, uh, you know, as far as that's concerned, could they have been? Did, were, they, um, were they Jews? Yes. Uh, but there were some times where uh, people did convert to Judaism. And we can even read that in the Old Testament. Testament. I, think, I think of one story where the Jews wanted to conquer some peoples. And the people finally gave in to say, "Okay, you know, we'll we'll become, we'll become Jews, right? We'll we'll become part of Israel." And then when they circumcised all the men, they went in and killed them, right? Because they just used that as a ploy. So it's a terrible thought, right? Just a terrible thought. Because the men were weak; they couldn't fight. You know, they had just been circumcised. They figured, okay, now this is our way of conquering them. Imagine the evil that's in that. In any case, let's just think about it for a minute. So if God did not require every Gentile in the world or all the Gentiles to become Jews, right? They were to evangelize Gentile nations. Now just remember, before the Jews even came along, everybody was a Gentile. There was, there was no Jew. There was no Israel. So God wanted to spread the gospel. This was what he meant by, and Abraham, when he told Abraham, all the nations in the world will be blessed through, by you. And it's still true today. I mean, this is, this is the truth. And yet, uh, it didn't mean that they would have to convert to Judaism and keep the law and all of that. But there was a provision for those who wanted to become a part of the nation to, to, uh, for God to do that. And, but it wasn't something that was uh, imposed on them. It was optional. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Because the, in the in church age, we know that there is a distinct calling for anyone in the church age. It's, you know, it's up to them. You know, it's on a, a want-to-know basis rather than a need-to-know basis after you've been saved whether you're going to answer that call and, and you know, un seek to understand what it means and all that stuff. Um, but in the Old Testament, it wasn't necessarily a calling for the Gentiles to convert to Judaism. No, no. Correct? Yeah, there wasn't. So, okay. so they did, they, go ahead. No, I was, I'm just agreeing with you. Okay. So if a Gentile did not convert to Judaism after being saved, it, it was not a bad reflection on anybody, neither Jew nor Gentile. Right. So Jews uh, didn't, let's, let's say a Gentile was saved in, uh, in um, 
So like it says, they we, the Jews will be a light to the Gentiles and all of that. And so they brought the light and the Gentiles believed. It didn't follow that the Gentiles would have to keep the law, the Sabbath, and all of its, the, its um, the dietary restrictions. And, you know, they didn't have to migrate from their nation or turn their nation into Judaism, you know, or any of that. That so, was... So I guess my... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I guess my my next question to follow that up with then is what was the motivation of a Gentile that wants to convert to Judaism? Is this a um, like a, a human status symbol <laughs> that they're seeking, or well, is this the way to know God better? Well, um, it it was remember the gospel is a wonderful thing. Right? If we think about it, it is a wonderful thing. It always was. It all. It is today, and people. God did want people to come to know Him better, but God didn't have a calling for Gentiles per se. Like in other words, He He didn't put them in His plan to say, "Okay, I'm going to use you to do this," but He did use Gentiles, and we saw how Gentiles flourish. A good example of that is Job, right? So Job doesn't. There's nothing in the writings of Job that signify that he was a Jew or he was a member of Israel but he had a spiritual life he understood uh, there were principles and things that he grew and understood about those people who came to visit him they were not in Israel well, I thought I thought that Job was before Israel right so what I'm saying is the idea is that that Job is a Gentile and he had a spiritual life yeah that, okay. that was my point. And, and the spiritual life, not necessarily uh, around Israel, where, but God helped Job understand what was important for him to reflect what God wanted in a Gentile. Right? Now, when he came with the law, that was a whole other thing, but that was God establishing a nation. So this is why I say, uh, well, we can clearly see that Job was saved and was living a spiritual life where we could see the nation Israel was established by God, but not necessarily living what God would have wanted for them. And it was optional. I would say not every Israelite, we got to say that, right, is following that pattern, but the majority of them, it came to the place where they weren't following that and it was optional god says if you do this you will this will be your course if you don't this will be your course right he so what is that to say it's optional you have your choices to make god, he, he, there's the consequences to the choices you make yes but you do have the choice to live it or not and when we think about like the sabbath and all that it says in ezekiel that it was a special sign between God and Israel, special sign. So that wasn't given to the Gentiles. So, you know, God had, and you don't hear Job talking about the Sabbath or anything. So, you know, these things are special to God's peculiar, special nation. So, but that's a good question because most people think that in the Old Testament, if you're going to be close to God after the Mosaic Law, then you would have had to convert to to being a Jew or something. Right? That's for some reason that's in their heads. 
But right. I, I would say the same thing applies to people today that think that, you know, if I'm to accept, you know, Christ uh, now, then I need to practice some, uh, some Jewish customs. Yeah. Not all of them, but, you know, we'll, we'll pick and choose which ones we want to that's yeah, right. That's Depending on uh, the yeah. denomination, yeah. right? Yeah, they will pick and choose which ones exactly. they will want to obey out of the Mosaic Law when we're not under the law. Right? So, so God doesn't need the law to make us righteous, right? The law does not make us righteous. God is the one that makes us righteous, and righteousness is there's a standard of righteousness, but it also depends on God's purpose for us. Like God's purpose for Israel was for them to be his priest nation, right? And he wanted to demonstrate in their customs and culture who God was in every aspect of the spiritual, you know, of salvation, whether it be redemption, propitiation, expiation, justification, righteousness, all of that was illustrated in Israel's culture, through their feast days and holy days, right? all of the things they celebrated were reminiscent of that. Uh, but that is, that was, but none of those things in and of themselves could save a person. It was their conduct that was supposed to teach other nations about who God was, but they uh, failed. And became, as we said, exclusive and separate from other nations. And they, um, that, that is basically what, how they ended up seeing it, right? But, but you're right. In this age, salvation is free. It doesn't cost anything. And yet we, once living the Christian way of life is optional. I know people don't like for me to say that. They want me to... Say, oh, no, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. No, that's not what the scripture says. It says salvation is free. And we're going to keep it free. And then works only come as a result of salvation. They can never be uh, take the place of salvation because that would be the mistake Israel made. I'll pause, Dwight. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. So don't... So do not submit to a yoke of slavery. Yeah, a yoke of bondage. In fact, he was talking about um, he's talking about the law, people trying to impose circumcision on Gentiles, right? That was the point. And um, yeah, and he, he he even made the point that if you accept circumcision, then Christ is of no value to you. Right, right. He's saying that you're going to keep the law. And, and that's not going to save you. God is the one who already saved you. And you will be drifting off course from grace if you follow what the law says, right? And there's this whole thing about them trying to be justified in Christ. And, you know, if, if that were... How, how are you going to be justified seeking to be justified by the law when you're already in Christ? That is... What what because you're seeking to be justified by this is all Galatians two by the way, you're seeking to just be justified by the law is going to make you a sinner, so the fact that you're a sinner because you're trying to be justified does that make Christ a sinner? It's ridiculous. Basically, Paul is saying. Yeah, toward the end of Galatians two, you can find that dialogue. Yeah. 
Very good. Thank you. All right. Other thoughts out there? So I know Dave did have a question about the Book of Life, and hopefully those questions were resolved from uh, the document I sent. And um, so we won't go over that. And our our time is waning, so we will we will call it. Let's uh, let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for this time, uh, Lord as we are taking our time to review what happened with the nation Israel, how they failed. And Father, I know the goal is that we do not commit the same failures, that we learn from the things that they focused on and how they got off track. So Father, give us wisdom as we approach these things. Um, doesn't matter what the world is doing it just matters what you have called us to in this age that we be true to your your calling that we're here because we want to know you better and we want to know uh, what the spirit has led us to understand as far as truth is concerned thank you for the revelation that you have given us father thank you for those who are here we pray as we continue to come week by week, that what we will come to know is your word, what your word actually teaches. All this we ask in Christ's name, for his sake. Amen. Amen.